going on, Rangers Nation? It's Alex Blink with Dallas Sports Fanatic, and welcome to the Texas Rangers Fanatic Podcast, Episode 17. And I am joined with my buddy from the Northeast, who is not currently in the Northeast right now. He's taking a little mini vacation down south, but not south enough. Uh, Mr. Brandon Ross, if if minor league baseball was actually playing, and I know we're talking about December, but who the hell knows anymore? You can enjoy yeah. some uh, single A baseball. I mean, I mean, the thing about North Carolina is there's there were at least so many minor league baseball teams. I mean, from where I am right now, I'm in Durham. You got the Bulls right here. You got the Carolina Mudcats about probably 20 minutes south. You got the Burlington Royals, my old team, about 35 minutes. Uh, I believe that would be out west. Go another 30 minutes. You're at the Greensboro Grasshoppers. Go another 30 minutes. You're at the Winston-Salem Dash. And, you know, I could go over and over and over again, keep going south. You get to the Charlotte Knights. It's there's so much baseball here. But, you know, I'm, I'm here uh, here to cover some basketball. So in the state, I'll head back home and unfortunately do my uh, do my quarantine until I can get that negative test. We all wait for that negative test, I'm sure. And uh, also, I want to congratulate a Syracuse alum and Syracuse alum that is a title that absolutely needs to be celebrated because you're in for some excellent company. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's crazy. We go through the whole program uh, and there's the sort of top tier radio station, the local NPR affiliate WAER. That's the station that gets a lot of the acclaim. Sean McDonough, Ian Eagle, Mike Tarico, Bill Roth. I, I could go on forever. Uh, Corey Provis, an MLB announcer, Jason Benetti, just some names that might sound familiar. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And I'm just so lucky to be included in that fraternity, but obviously I have a long way to go before I can get anywhere close to them. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. So you, I mean, Hey, look at where all they ended up. They probably, they started in your position too. So, Hey, it, it's, uh, keep on trucking. Yeah, well, not everyone can be the voice of the Nets within, I think, what would that have been, like two or three years for Ian? Um, no, not everyone gets that lucky. And, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, a lot of the program, uh, there are some kids who will start a lot higher than normal. There are also some kids who have to do the working up. But in the end, a lot of them end up in the same place. And uh, so let me ask you this, as far as, going the basketball route, going the football route, going the baseball route. I mean, you got, as far as the Orleans Firebirds, Cape Cod League, uh, and I mean, that that's pretty good. Burlington Royals, I know you said that they're not in existence anymore because of the whole minor league baseball fiasco. Yeah, they were unfortunately one of the ones that got booted off the minor league islands. But that's still very impressive. Uh, that's a very impressive resume. What What is your main what's the main sport if you if some person came to you and i know we're talking prince and hairs because everybody's got to be versatile but sometimes you you got to stick to one what's the one uh you took the pc answer right out of my mouth dang it uh uh i mean if i had to pick one i'd pick baseball it is by far my favorite sport i i feel like in terms of comfort level with me calling a game baseball is easily number one uh but again I can't pigeonhole myself. I got to be versatile. Um, you know, I, I mean, beyond just the big three, I've done hockey, field hockey, soccer, both men's and women's, softball. Um, 
I haven't gotten up to the point where I've done water polo yet, but I, I'm sure I'll do water polo at some point. Versatility. Um, yeah, I mean, I've done field. The first time I did field hockey was on, I'm doing the math in my head right now. 15 hours notice. It was oh, a 1 p.m. Sunday game. I got the call to do it at 1030 on Saturday night. That's kind of how it was with uh, volleyball, too. I, I called one. Uh, well, it was a double game, so it was a couple, but it was, I think it was like six hours notice, and I had to learn everything about volleyball because I'm going to be 100% honest. I didn't know all the terms, so I had to go, and thankfully this was like 2013, so the internet still doing its thing, so I just had to like basically uh, volleyball for dummies and got through it. Some people have said you did pretty good. I was like, thanks. I uh, I learned everything I needed to in just a short period of time. I don't think anybody was listening, but I was. It was listening. funny. So that game, so it, it was a little bit more high stakes for me because that was actually at at Colgate. Um, so that's a D1 school. It was on Patriot League Network. Ed. So, and that's a 50 minute drive too. So, you know, uh, got to take away an hour off. Not, not to go too deep into the weeds, but you know, when I got the call, there may have been a, large number of people in my house this keep in mind was pre-pandemic pre-pandemic um and i may have had to wait for them to all leave uh <laughs> so they left i went to bed at like 2 a.m i wake up at six spend the next five hours furiously making charts and figuring out the rules of field hockey to which my friend told me just treat it like soccer with sticks and then I was like, well, I don't really know soccer that well either. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, fortunately, I've gotten to do a lot more soccer and I know soccer a lot better yeah. now. But in that specific instance, I get a, I drive the 50 minutes, I get into the booth. And at halftime, I look to my right. Colgate has one of the bench players uh, running sort of the, uh, you know, team camera. I'm like, I don't sound like a moron, do I? <laughs> and fortunately, <laughs> she said no which made me happy because I was doing that solo and it did not feel comfortable. <laughs> oh yeah. That's always the worst, isn't it? When you're doing it solo, especially in a sport you've, you've never covered before. It's one thing if it's radio on television, it is so hard oh, to yeah. do something solo and do it well. No, I mean, even, even television, when you're doing something, you know, sometimes it can be difficult too, especially solo. <laughs> That's why I, I still don't know for all of these years, Vince Scully, my man, just, it's it's he's I, just I got a different gear yeah. he's just got a different gear being able to tell stories and keep people entertained and he just knows how to fill the time and sort of ride the wave of the game and not force too much into our ears when we don't need it and knows when to lean back and let the game breathe for him I was almost hoping and, and I'm so glad I got to hear him during game six before the game but I wish at some point I don't know if this was pre-planned or not if to have just like in between innings, just have a Vince Scully story in between any cert, sort of ending. Maybe they had that for game seven. I don't know. Uh, just in between innings, like global, I feel for the world series. I think that would have been fantastic. I think that's what everybody, the 11,000 in the crowd, plus even somebody like me would have enjoyed. I'm sure it would have been fun. And you know, it was the whole MLB playoffs was, were so interesting. Like the, I, I, I I'm a, again, a broadcasting nerd. So I tend to think of like the weird, isms like for example ted leitner calling a game off a monitor while a completely separate game is going on in front of his eyes that's what uh cj nikowski and dave raymond were talking about as far as 
the alternate training site. So for the Rangers, because in the summertime it gets brutal. So when the Rangers are on the road, the alternate site trains at Globe Life Field. So uh-huh. while the game is going on and you're calling the game from the monitor, you look down and all of a sudden they've got like a mini game going on. And this isn't exclusive to baseball either, actually. Uh, Dave Pash, another Syracuse alum, by the way. Um, he, he, Aside from being on television, he's the radio voice of the Cardinals. And I forget who was playing in Arizona as a neutral site, but there was a game happening there while the Cardinals were in New York and they were calling it off a monitor in a suite. Against the uh, Giants? Oh, wait, no, wait. It had yeah, they were been. at the Giants. The Cardinals were at the Giants. I was thinking of the 49ers, but that was the next day. Uh, that was on a Monday night against the Bills. Yeah, gotcha. So, I, I'm still trying to remember what team was playing in Arizona. I can't. I'm trying to think. Was it the – I could have sworn the Niners have only had one game in Arizona that they played. Maybe I'm misinterpreting it. I got to get my uh, Niners – I got to get my Niners faithful to uh, uh, answer that one for me. Um, but I'm I'm looking as far as Ranger moves goes. And so – you want to know what has happened in the last two weeks of Rangers baseball. Let's see. Chris Young is, is joining on as far as GM goes. Lance Linus of Chicago White Sox. Nate Lowe uh, is a Texas Ranger. Rafael Montero is a Seattle Mariner. Scott Heineman is a Cincinnati Red. The Cleveland Indians don't have a name. And the Rangers today, uh, one of their best beat writers, T.R. Sullivan, is announcing his retirement and his tenure is going to be done at the end of the year. Um, I can safely say not a lot of teams have had that much activity compared to there. So the Texas Rangers, (laughs) this is what you call rebuild. This is, this is what rebuild is like. Um, I don't think rebuild had an intention as far as their main MLB.com beat writer retiring, but Hey, rebuild. Rebuilds. It's, it's, I mean, that's a rough slate of a couple of weeks. Like, just ouch. I, I, I'd be jealous of just even that much happening as a Yankees fan because we're just sitting over here. Uh, well, I'm not in New York now, but, you know, us Yankee fans sit over in the corner. We're just like, okay. We're not really anxiously waiting on anything. We're not clamoring for anything. We'd like more pitching, but it's not like we're going to keel over and die if we don't get it. But the one thing everyone wants it's just DJ LeMahieu and the yes. Yankees seem to be holding out for pennies and everyone's like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I, and it, it's interesting. Cause I think, I think there's a fair case to make that he's probably wanting more. Oh, yeah. he, he probably wants more years than the Yankees are willing to give him. Um, I think the Yankees got possibly the steal of the decade, by the way, two years, 12 mil a year for the production he gave them. That's a steal <laughs> and a half. I'm um, laughing because it's ridiculous. Oh yeah. no, he, he was playing $30 million baseball. Yeah. And, but obviously he's too old to get that kind of money right now. And the Yankees don't want to give him that many years, uh, probably because they've seen that backfire on them before. That's why they let Robinson Cano go and look how that went. They ended up not really biting them that much. So just ask the Mets. However, <laughs> however it goes, it goes. Isn't, isn't that's got to be, that's got to be awkward. I know he went Full to circle, Seattle, that, but like it just, it always stems from a Yankee decision. Always goes to backfire the Mets. Uh, it, and it makes me happy every time. Don't get me wrong. Now, speaking of full circle, because we're talking about LeMahieu. By the way, I miss David Dahl, too. David Dahl is a Texas Ranger. I miss that signing. 
uh, which is a pretty darn good signing too, considering the deal that they got that the Rockies not tenured him. I mean, I, I everybody, he was even shocked too, because he was asked, he was like, were you surprised to be like, yeah, I was surprised. I think everybody was surprised. I know he had a bad 2020, but 2019, he, he, he raked. I mean, look, it was a sophomore slump. Everyone has sophomore slumps. I think even Jeter had a sophomore slump. Like, it's, it's bound to happen. It's not destiny. Now, maybe there are some scouting concerns because, you know, David Dahl, I, I, I can honestly say, as he plays in the National League and is out on the opposite coast, I don't see him play that much. But sort of based on his profile, I could very much see him being the type of guy who, you know, maybe did not develop the ability to hit the curveball as well. Year two pitchers figure that out and tear him to shreds. Some guys can fix that. Some can't. Maybe the Rockies felt like they couldn't. But, I mean, that's just great for the Rangers to get that opportunity. And they're not really paying a big penny for it either. It's only one year, $2.7 million. That's, you know, in, a, in the old days, that would be a lot. But now that's just a drop in the bucket. So I think it was perfectly worth taking that flyer. It's a chance you take, and if it doesn't work out, then you don't lose out too much. That, that the seems to be there. That's how they got Lance Lynn and Mike Miner. They took a chance on those two, and while Miner's tenure ending with the Rangers didn't go so well, still an all-star in 2019, and that was just I mean, a little hey, chunk. Look, uh, look, where, look, uh, look where you got Lance Lynn from. There you go. There you go. And now he gets reunited with Tony La Russa. <laughs> Tony La Russa was so curious. <laughs> Chicago White Sox 2021 season is going to be very, very intriguing from all sides, not only on the field, but in the booth as well. I mean, yeah, they got Len Casper to to go radio from the Cubs TV away from uh, what marquee network. Yeah. Yeah. Len was the guy on marquee and now he's going to be their radio voice. And you know, the way he explained it makes so much sense to me because as a baseball guy, I can relate. He just loved radio. And he wanted to be back on radio. And there's such an advantage in MLB to being a radio guy because, you know, it's it's different than a lot of the other leagues. You get no playoffs if you're TV. None. Zilch. Radio, you go all the way. Yep. And it's it's also just romanticized and appreciated in a way that television is just sort of taken for granted to a certain extent nowadays. So I can totally see his line of logic. Now, I think what will be a sort of fun mental exercise is to figure out who's going to get that Cubs TV job. I know publicly it was said that like Chris Myers, the Fox guy was the leading candidate, but there are other names that are being thrown around there too. Uh, one of whom is a Syracuse alum. So <laughs> got me a little giddy. Yeah. Well, and that's another reason why uh, Rangers Hall of Fame broadcaster, Eric Nadell is not going to TV. He'll never go to TV. I mean, Eric Nadell is fantastic. Eric Nadell is got a treasure a down one, there. he's a one of a kind gem that and super super nice guy. And he's got, and he's got a great book too. So if you haven't you haven't read his book, go out and get it. I'll be sure to check it out. <laughs> and and um, Eric Nadell, a New York native, nonetheless. Oh yes, yes. It's a shame that um, I I know his schedule is a little bit condensed and it's going to be condensed. I think it's probably going to be close to the time it's going to be when I say close, I mean, maybe the next five years, but I just, I, it, it's going to be a, a sad day on Ranger radio when Nadell uh, hangs it up, but it, it, 
it'll ha- I mean it'll happen to everybody. I mean everyone retires at some point. I mean I, I, I mean I've only known one broadcast voice really growing up, and that was John Sterling, and he will probably be gone some point in the next you know, he doesn't ever want to retire, but I'd imagine sometime in the next decade. Um, probably less. He's in his eighties now. Uh, I've only known Michael K as the TV guy for the most part, at least. Uh, and you know, he's still got some years left ahead of him. He had obviously the vocal cord problem uh, from last year that might shorten that lifespan a little bit, but it's crazy that cause a lot of us, we grow up with these broadcasters as our soundtrack for a team. They make all our memories. Yes. And it's just so weird to feel that get replaced. That's why so few MLB announcers leave their jobs. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would envy being in that position someday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's honestly, that's because you grow up, you're watching it on TV all the time. So that's, or you're listening to it if like you're driving somewhere and that's what you associate the game with, you know, even as far as uh, in, in the NFL with super or in March madness too. As far as uh, the final four, you always think of Nance, Nance in your head. Jim Nance, he in my head is that. He is the Masters. He is, he's just so much. Like Jim Nance is like, and, and then I think Super Bowl, I think Joe Buck. And that's, I, I mean, that's probably just because, you know, in that rotation of networks, Joe Buck gets so lucky with the Super Bowls he gets. I, it's amazing <laughs> I know how lucky he is with the Super Bowls he gets. Um, you know, I think Sunday Night Football, I think Al Michaels, like just that that will never. Now they're making that shift over to Mike Tirico, knock, knock, Syracuse alum. Yeah, I mean, well, that, that's kind of always been publicly known. He's, you know, he's just kind of waiting in the wings. They're upping his load because, you know, Al's getting up there in age. And yeah. Mike Tirico has always sort of been Syracuse's golden child. You'll hear people talk about you know they were a couple years older than him they saw this freshman come in and immediately they were, everyone was just like whoa um i mean the dude started working for the local tv station when he was still a student it's it's truly incredible what you know I, the things i've heard about what he's been able to do like one of the first times he was anchoring uh, at the local tv station he apparently again this is secondhand i wasn't directly there to witness this this was before i was born not meaning to date Mike. Sorry, Mike. Uh, but you know, apparently, you know, one of the first times he went through highs, it went pretty flawless. And then he was like, guys, can I have a, sh- can I have a shot sheet next time? He didn't have <laughs> a shot sheet telling him what was happening. He just knew what was happening and call it. It was, it, it, he, he's a next level talent. And Syracuse is lucky enough to be able to attract that level of talent pretty consistently. And, and honestly, it's the program that makes everyone so great. And I can't wait to see Mike uh, take the reins when that day comes. I mean, it's already semi-starting with... I mean, yeah, uh, I, got to see, I got to see him uh, broadcast my, uh, my favorite football team's very sad season finale. Um, Syracuse at Notre Dame oh, getting, getting their... I mean, they played a good first half and then they got their behinds handed to them. But uh, no, I mean, and then you even think about as far as the NFL playoffs coming up and then with CBS adding in with an extra addition on there. And I hear as far as Nickelodeon having one of the games. So yeah. no equal. are they going to have it set up to where I assume it's a simulcast between CBS and Nickelodeon one game? 
I, I assume I, I if that's imagine, the case. Yeah. Viacom owns both properties. So are they I going would, to have Ian Eagle call the same game that Noah Eagle's calling? We everyone in Syracuse demands that. Everyone demands that they follow up with a dual appearance on Double Dare, and everyone is demanding that Noah gets slimed. <laughs> and it's, it's so interesting from my position because, like, literally just two years ago, this time, I was, you know, Noah was running the show at the student station. Like, I've known him for those years. He is honestly one of the best guys. He's very humble. Like, I'm not even kidding when I say, he would never tell anybody about cool things he was doing. He said at one point, I, I have to go into the city for something this weekend. I'm sorry, I can't make the show this week. And we'd like, no worries. And then we turn on our phones. Oh, he's hosting the uh, Nets draft special on Facebook. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and like, he told nobody, like, or at least nobody outside of his closest circle that like, oh my God, I'm in the running for the Clippers job. He never did that. We didn't know until I think there was an article once the radio guy but got promoted to TV. There was an article saying sources say Noah Eagle is the favorite to replace him on radio. I'm like, oh, <laughs> and you, you got know, some explaining to do, man. Uh, uber talented, but uber talented, uber nice guy and couldn't be better for someone. And like true story, uh, very promptly after seeing that come into existence, I made a drinking game for it, um, <laughs> which I may or may not utilize, but I think we'll be fun. If there's a SpongeBob reference, take a sip. We already know that that's going to force oh, a lot of sips. Um, oh no, tell them like, don't do too many because we don't want to add, we don't want to give uh, anybody alcohol poisoning. Any reference to a different Nickelodeon show, two sips. Noah's youth gets mentioned. And keep in mind, he's still only, I think, I, I don't know the exact math. I think he's 24 now, like, only 24, maybe he's still 23. Uh, if his youth gets mentioned, you take a shot. If Noah gets slimed, you finish your drink. <laughs> Just hoping that that doesn't happen in the first. No, that's going to happen at the end of the game. That, 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 no, like they're the going to be signing off and then they'll just blast him with slime. Yeah. And I think public demand is high enough. There's no way he doesn't get slimed. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's like the whole that would make the pie, pie on the face in the birthday bit. That would almost make 2020 worth it. <laughs> almost, almost. <laughs> it will no longer be 2020. So no, no, it will be 2021. Or as I like to call it, 2020-2. <laughs> that's that's I what I've been that saying. One. That's pretty good. That's what I've been saying. I 2021 Do you really want doesn't elongate this into a part two, though. Is that really what you want? <laughs> it's not really wanting to long it, it's being realistic, as in. January 1st, 2021, did we really enter in a new year or are we just extending from what was the previous year? I think 2021 is going to start in like July. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. 2020-2 and then we enter that's 2021 in fair. July. From. But there's also just another way you can look at it. And I took the pessimist view in that regard. Hey, I can be realistic or I can lie to you. It's your choice. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, as we're speaking of the delight that is 2020, uh, we were talking about this before because I was mentioning it. Um, do you want to? Do you want a summarization of 2020 by one baseball player's two weeks? I think I think I have that for you. Yeah, bring it to me. 
Bring so, it to me. so the life of a baseball player for those that are listening, uh, you want to know what that life is like? Uh, just ask what Scott Heineman had to go through between December 2nd and December 16th. So on December 2nd, the Rangers didn't tender his contract, so he became a free agent. Keep in mind, this is after he was on the big league club about 75% of the season, and then in the final month, he got sent to the alternate training site. Then on December 3rd, they decide, the Rangers say, hey, we'll give you a major league contract. Signs with the team. And then on December 11th, he was designated by he was designated for assignment by the Texas Rangers. And then on December 16th, he was traded to the Cincinnati Reds for Jose Acosta, which by the way is a good is a good trade for the Rangers regarding Acosta has been tearing it up um, in the Dominican League the last two seasons or had a really good 2019. But he was traded then on December 16th. Oh, by the way, he turned 28 on December 4th. So happy birthday, Scott Heineman. He, he, uh, we give you a week uh, birthday present. Uh, why don't we designate you for assignment? I mean, it's just, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to Welcome think to the of big like leagues, my friends. Of like a short distance journey. Um, that's, you know, that, that strange, um, you know, like I know the story of, uh, of the guy who got traded for himself. Uh, I don't think I know, like, I don't know if I know anyone who's gone through more of a ringer in the stretch of a couple of weeks. I'm sure there's somebody, I just can't think of it. I mean, I wouldn't say in a couple of weeks, but you know how many times Edwin Jackson's name has been in the trade market and how many teams he's gone through. I, 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 and you know, when, when we were talking about this before we hit record, I thought like, yes, let's condense the life of Octavio Dotel into a couple of weeks stretch. Um, <laughs> See how that goes. Because I, I believe he holds the record for most MLB teams played for. I think it's like 16 or something. How many was Edwin Jackson too? Because he's got to be like second or, or like at least challenging, challenge that record. And see Octavio uh, Dotel. Oh, oh, I, I, I correct myself. I correct myself. Octavio had the record of 13 and Edwin broke it by hitting 14. Woo! You go, Edwin Jackson. Good job for being available all the time. It's the relievers, man. Some, some reliever in this decade is going to break that. With the amount of trades that go on, somebody's going to break that. Though the life of a reliever is... Second, I can tell you, I can tell you the second Andrew Miller starts losing some of his stuff, he's going to become exactly that. I can assure you he will become exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a guy who was really good when he was young his stuff just starts slowly tapering him off people don't want to pay the money and so they start signing to short deals and then they just get rung around the rosy and that's then how you, it goes and then you have postseason experience too and that's something that any team can use as far as postseason experience as far as a mentor goes to the younger players i mean can we just illustrate the fact that between 2015 and 2019 alone, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He played for eight teams in four years. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you I'm said sorry, the I record was would four... technically be five seasons, but still, eight teams in five seasons. And record 14, so he's already more than halfway there. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. Uh, 
I mean, he didn't get end up getting signed in 2020. Who knows what the future might hold? Um, Who knows in 2021 if the season, and of course the word is that the season could be shortened and be pushed a little bit further down the road because of vaccine related. We can get into that if you want to, if you want to play doctor. Uh, yeah, but- I'm not going to, I'm not going to play doctor, but I will say, I think regardless of that situation, I think, you know, if minor league baseball is a tell, I'd say I'd put the seasons not starting till May, maybe not even till June. I think the odds that they start in April are probably like if, I mean, the normal timetable is just not going to happen. Yeah. As long as the as long as COVID nineteen is still a thing, I don't think they have spring training as they usually have it. Um, I, I genuinely don't think that will happen. They'll have something, maybe a little more condensed, maybe spring camp in house some scrim some scrimmages. Yeah, like. Maybe the Yankees gather up in Tampa. They'll go to the one or two teams closest um, and like send only the people who are definitely going to play in the game or something like that. Um, but some way or another, I have, I, I think my gut's telling me like we're not getting baseball starting on time. I think everything's pointing to likely, I would say June, probably more so than May. And I think that is realistic, especially because, and not only from just a COVID perspective, but from a financial perspective too, because I'm sure all 30 organizations are trying to find some way we can bring fans into. And I think the NLCS World Series is kind of bringing in a taper top, but still, if you're, you know, states like Arizona, Florida, Texas, they're as per usual, they're not doing so well. I know it's shocker, shocker, Uh, but if you can fill in about 11,000, that may help a little bit, but that's not going to help your revenue as well, especially when you're dealing with 81 home games. Yeah. I mean, that that's, I think what's interesting is looking into MLB and how this can play out over years, how this will impact small market teams in comparison to the larger market teams. Like no matter what happens, baseball could stop for three years and the Yankees will be fine. Yep. Baseball can stop for, Five years and the Dodgers will be fine. Baseball stops for two years. Kansas City might not be fine. Oakland might not be fine. Tampa Bay will definitely not be fine. Um, I mean, their owner, the Rays owner literally joked about them not really having to put in social distancing protocols because (laughs) they won't need them given how many people will show. No, I mean, that's true. That really applies to Miami more than Tampa, but still. Tampa's got a tr- – the trop is terrible, but Miami's just hilarious. They draw less than 10,000 a game. Think about that. I, less I, than 10,000 a game. I've almost wanted to just – like, you know how an experience is so bad that you almost want to just be like, yeah, I, I, I want to be a part of that because I just want to know how bad it is firsthand. That's kind of how taking a Florida trip to the Trop and to Marlins Park just to see. I know how it is on TV, but is it really that bad? So I have not been to Marlins Park in person. I have been to the Trop. It was not great. Uh, The Marlins Park thing, it's – so here's what's hilarious. So I actually – right when it opened, I I was living in Florida. I lived for two years in middle school, seventh and eighth grades. Uh, That would have been 20. 12 to 20 no sorry 2011 to 2013 it opened in 12 i believe and i can tell you because i was living in the palm beach area no one was going they built the stadium in such a poor location they built it 
in like the southern part of Miami because, you know, put it in the less populated part of the city where you're totally going to drag people in from the Keys. Because <laughs> in South Florida, there's not much south of Miami other than the Keys, which are very sparsely populated. And if you're in, say, Boca, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, which would be, so in, in Dallas terms, uh, it, it, it would be your McKinney's, your Great Vines, your Frisco's. They're like 90 minutes away. 90 minutes. And like Palm Beach, like where I lived there with no traffic was 90 minutes. If I actually wanted to make that endeavor during a weekday, that would have been a couple hours plus. And so that screwed them out of a lot of fans. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was just a hilarious to see them flounder. And oddly enough, because in Florida, the dynamics are so strange because so many Floridians are New York expats that they're just a lot of Yankee fans in Florida. When I was in eighth grade, the Yankees were playing, I believe, the Marlins uh, because their spring training sites in Jupiter, and that was around me. Right. Uh, they were playing a game there. I think half my grades skipped the day of school to go see that spring training game. That's what you do. Yeah, I, good I, job. Yeah, thank you. And I think that's on. So also, by the way, another fun unrelated story. I can skip class to go see a Yankee game. I can't to go see the president. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I would actually, and as far as March Madness goes, and I, and I know we're talking about the, the awfulness of Marlins Park, and trust me, there's plenty of time to go over on that. But uh, I would literally, like, I wouldn't skip class for March Madness, but I would literally plan my entire week as far as school goes around that. So if there was an assignment that needed to be done, oh, I did it before then. If there was a, a movie that needed to be watched, I made sure that Monday after, that's what I do. You plan your entire time around March Madness. I mean, that's hardcore. I, I mean, I've done stuff like that for other things. Um, I, I know that uh, I, I have some friends who are so inclined to do that for a, uh, a certain day towards the end of April that is widely celebrated by people who in in indulge in a specific substance. He, I think he <laughs> wrote like five papers on the 19th to get ready for 420. <laughs> I am, I'm like, you know dedication. what? That's dedication. dedication. Bravo to you. Any, Bravo. any sort of, <laughs> any sort of influence, any sort of uh, determination you need, go for it. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. And then, of course, as far as the news, so you you watched the World Series, right? And so I, I wanted to, or the NLCS of the World Series. Basically, what I'm asking is, you see the new ballpark, right? Uh, Globe Field. You cut out for a second there. You're asking me if I've seen Globe Life uh, as part of Globe the Life Field, the new Rangers ballpark. Yes. What is your thoughts on it? Um. So the inside of the stadium looks pretty cool i'm not gonna lie the outside yeah i know i know it's a it's an interesting design uh definitely some some uh some postmodern thinking there um, but uh you know what frankly i think at this point a lot of people are past the like i think in baseball we tend to romanticize the feel the glory the uh the amazingness of stadiums how gorgeous they are um, you know, Yankee stadium gets idolized, uh, city field, blah, 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 blah. I think it could look like a, it could look like a shipping crate on the outside. 
I think people care about what's there inside. Oh, yeah. Do I have a good spot for my seat? Is the food cheap? Um, is this a nice park? Is the, are the field dimensions normal? And to all of those, Globe Life seems to check all of those boxes except the eye test from the outside. And I think nowadays that's really all that matters. Uh, and probably just means Fox won't fly the blimp over as much. Well, I well I will tell you this: it's not the Dodgers fans' favorite park. I mean, what better way to celebrate your first championship? Yeah, in in nearly uh, twenty-two in thirty-two years. So I'm sure inside, outside, Dodger fans don't Dodger fans don't care. I mean, what's interesting is like I genuinely think also that whenever baseball does resume next year, I think there's a good chance some teams will let in fans and some won't. Some on their own choice, some not. Um, like, I, I have no doubt that whenever baseball restarts next year, the Rangers will have fans. The oh, Astros yeah. will have fans. The Marlins, yep. the Rays will have fans. Dodgers definitely aren't having fans, regardless of what they want. Question is, I mean, I know that this is pretty, uh, we're talking December, and we're talking if we're going on schedule April, May, June, but yeah. at this point, if, if baseball was starting right now, the Giants wouldn't even be able to play. I mean, yes, yep. Stanford is putting its football team in Santa Barbara so it can actually practice. That's crazy. <laughs> and there was talk of their men's basketball team staying in North Carolina for weeks on end to play their non-conference schedule. Because Why in not? California, the laws basically allow Governor Newsom to flick places on and off like a light switch. <laughs> And he's treating it like a toddler, but this isn't a political show. No, it's not. I just find it very ironic that in the first year that the Raiders moved to Las Vegas that they can actually play in their home stadium for eight games, which it wouldn't have been the case if they had stayed in Oakland. Just throwing that out there. Of the irony that that comes. What happens in Vegas? Stays in Vegas. Oh, don't I know. Don't I know. <laughs> Now, one other topic, because you did uh, do play-by-play for minor league baseball, and and unfortunately we're talking about the lack of minor league baseball this past year, and teams can go to alternate training sites. Now we add in, Rangers had a lot of rookie debuts who were even making their debuts who hadn't played a double-A ball, triple-A ball, and now they're entering in the world of 2021 where hopefully there's minor league baseball as far as adjustments go, what do you see? Because you you've had you've been able to witness on the field Meyer leaguers and the work that they put in. Do you think that's going to be once they do resume, or once they go back and everything is normalized? Let's say I'm going to use uh, on a pitching example, Kyle Cody, for example, didn't play in Double A, didn't play in Triple A, pitched in the big leagues, and now essentially you're having to make two major league debuts. It's it's interesting because I, I, a lot of conversations like this were happening in the lead up to the Rule 5 because typically for this year's Rule 5, a lot of the guys that were you know on the table for being taken, you, you think like, oh, they, okay, they would have been in AAA this year or they would have been scratching AA for the first time this year. And now you're thinking about taking a guy who's been in the minor leagues for four years and is still an A-ball and taking him and throwing him into a major league game. It's... It's weird. We're sort of going to be entering uh, a quasi new bonus baby era of baseball where just out of necessity, you end up forcing guys too far down your system. I I think for a team like the Rangers, 
it's probably less likely that happens. I think it's more likely they find a temporary replacement for a year or two and keep him developing in the minor league system. But for, again, those small market teams, your Kansas cities, your Oakland's, your Milwaukee's, they may not have the money to pull that off. They may have to take a guy who has not played above a ball and throw him in a major major league game. Um, I don't think we'll have anything as extreme as the no minor league baseball before going to the majors. I believe if I remember correctly, Mike Leak is still the last one with that honor. Uh, yes. But he was also a very experienced college pitcher who had hit his innings limit and did really well in spring training the next year. Uh, and then before that, I think it was actually Xavier Nady talking about throwing it back. He, they drafted him out of high school. He played one game for the Padres <laughs> and then sent him straight back down to A-ball. That would never happen today. I don't know why that happened then, but it would never happen today. That's for sure. I mean, if you need an emergency starter, you may be able to pull up a kid from double A, but that's pretty much all I've heard on there. And, and the interesting thing is I asked Chris Woodward about this. And I said, based on the Rangers situation of a rebuild compared to a Yankees team that is well-established under the circumstances, is there a feeling that maybe the Rangers, a, a rebuilding team may have taken more advantage of the circumstances than a Yankees team or a Dodgers team? where there is no minor league baseball, where you're giving these guys major league experience when in a normal season, you wouldn't have that. Yeah. I think there is an advantage to that. I mean, it's kind of like with this college football season and college basketball season, everyone gets a free year of eligibility as a result. So not only do you get, you know, the older guys getting the chance to come back for one last hurrah, but you're getting some freshmen who will get some more time to work into the system and, get ready and you're going to see a similar effect in baseball with the teams that do do that. But then again, it's not a perfect science. Just like in football, there are some players that crumble under the pressure. There's also some players that excel when the pressure is applied and they make the most of it and they run with it. And any team that ends up pulling that out, will will call it a win any day of the week. But those are, I mean, again, because the odds, when you think about the odds of, the minor league baseball system. Once you enter, like, first of all, getting even to the minor leagues. And then once you're in there, making it all the way up, I can speak honestly about this with the Burlington team. There were, you could definitely count the number of players who you could sense had major league potential on two hands at most. Uh, That's just kind of the way it is at those lowest levels. Um, You're never going to pull someone up from there. Now, every level you go up, the numbers go up. The odds get better. But if you're starting from down here, your guarantees become a lot less. But then again, once you get to single A, once you get to double A, I think once you get to double A, then there's a better case that you're probably at least ready enough. But if you haven't made it to double A, that's a real stretch. Because if you haven't made it to double A, that's still not at the level of like the KBO. Um, I think a lot of scouts consider the K if I remember correctly, it's somewhere between what double a or triple a would be. Uh, and then, uh, uh, the Japanese league, uh, I believe is sort of like the tweener between triple a and the bigs. Um, I think easy enough is, uh, I mean, the first baseball we got to see over this pandemic was in Taiwan and Taiwan baseball is actually pretty bad. Uh, but <laughs> again, you see KBO, you saw a lot of people who were like, Oh, former major leaguers. Oh, 
teams are now interested in this guy after seeing him on ESPN. Like, that's because it's close enough to the level of where you can make that leap. Right. And I think a leap from something so low as like A ball or high A, that's a lot to force on a kid. Oh, yeah. And we haven't seen any team really do that in the last 20 years, except with Bryce Harper. I think he's the lone exception you can claim to that. Maybe Mike Trout too. He got he came up pretty fast. But once the 2010s hit, teams stopped facts tracking guys. They they will wait until they're ready and not a moment sooner, um, because they they're noticing what happens if they make it up to the bigs and their confidence gets crushed. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out over the next few years. I think it, it's going to be a big risk reward scenario. For some teams, there will be a lot more reward. For other teams, there will be close to zero. And I think how teams' front offices tend to operate will tell a lot in that regard. Um, Kansas City. 50-50? Because yeah. they're they're in a situation where they have actually got a really good minor league system. Yeah. And their, their organization, like, I'm not saying this uh, well, you can call this a biased perspective since I was a broadcaster for a minor league affiliate of theirs. But based, on how, too. See, based on how I saw the organizations run, I genuinely believe the Royals organization is one of the best in baseball in terms of how it's handled, how the people operate, things like that, the systems they use. It's, it's amazing. All the top tier teams will obviously have something like that. But once you get towards the middle of the packs, Maybe Oakland doesn't pull that off as well. Maybe Milwaukee doesn't pull that off that <laughs> as well. Um, Tampa will definitely not pull that off as well. Oh, actually, no. They will probably pull it off just fine because, you know, if they want anybody in your minor league system, they know exactly what they're talking about. And you better keep them because that's that's a tell. <laughs> I, think every, I think every team in baseball at some point now has learned that the hard way. If they want your minor leaguers, it's for a reason. Oh, yeah. They, they, okay. they, uh, they were able to dump Chris Archer and get their – Outfielder of the future. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Rangers got Rafael Montero for a couple of good relievers from Seattle. Well, yeah, they got a couple of good relievers from Seattle. And everybody is going who on there. It's not because Rafael Montero is bad by any means. I mean, he did real well as Rangers closer last year. But, I mean, you trade one arm to get two very young arms, one of the tops in the Mariners system. I mean, you take that trade all day. Exactly. And it, it, it develops over time, of course, just you get the better tendencies and you're, you're able to figure that out. And hey, look, as part of some massive deal, your team offloaded a massive contract and on a basically a flip of a coin, uh, they sent away Robinson Cano instead of I think it was Joaquin Arias was his name. Yes. <laughs> yes. Everybody remembers Joaquin Arias's tenure in Texas. <laughs> Yeah, no, it literally was basically almost on just a coin flip. It, it, it was not like there was a massive preference to Cano over Arias. It was like, eh, you can take one of them. And we're like, all right, we'll take Robbie. And, you know, he did what he did in New York and then went to Seattle and everything went downhill. But the only thing that Ranger fans probably remember about Joaquin Arias is that he ran for Benji Molina after he hit for the cycle in Boston. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a, I guess that's a plus. Everybody remembers the cycle. I don't know if people even remember that he ran for Molina, but yeah, that happened. When, when did Joaquin Arias last play in the major leagues? 2015 for the Giants. And oddly enough, he played for the Mets in 2010 too. That's hilarious. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I mean, December 16th, winter meet. I feel like the Ragers are just are just unloading on everything they can right now. And, and for good reason too. I mean, you're handling the rebuild exactly as they should. And uh, we'll see what happens. A Merry Christmas to them. I mean, it's, it's a real curious season. It falls under the same jurisdiction. I think they're trying to span their team like the Royals are and trying to build that camaraderie. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when you look at the Kansas city Royals from the 2013, 2014, 2015 teams, and I, I feel like as a small market, that's the staple you want to give. And unfortunately, what happens is everybody gets good, contracts start coming up, and then you have to clean house again. Exactly. And that's sort of that's that's sort of the ode of the small market team. It's an unavoidable reality. You'll get some really good young prospects. You'll put together the pieces. Maybe you win a championship, in which case they're, they did. Uh, and then, you know what? Doesn't work out. Um, get to the end of the contract. The level of success is not maintained. Guys want to get more money, more than the team can offer them. So they leave. And that's just sort of the reality of it. And so they're forced to play basically a different game. Uh, they, they go the way Tampa does, offloading every star they get and peeling away the younger talent. And for them, it, it most certainly worked pretty well this year. Uh, uh, it didn't quite yield them a championship, but it certainly put them in the driver's seat for one. Uh, and it's just, uh, it, it's sad when you see a team having to go through a rebuild after a, a run of success. But at the same time, it's, it's sort of invigorating in a sense to just like, okay, we can kind of put this in the past now mentally. Let's, let's move forward. We got these new pieces. We got this new talent. And, you know, in the Rangers case, you know, a guy like David Dahl is, basically a prime rebuild candidate, someone who is young, someone who has played very well, someone who probably just hit a sophomore slump. And I genuinely don't understand why Colorado would dump him. Like I, I that doesn't make sense to me. He was a rookie all-star for crying out loud, but I digress. Um, um, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, I mean with doll, I think it was, I think part of the math too, is that he was actually probably reaching the end of their control over him. Right. Um, uh, because he, I believe he was drafted in 2012. So yeah, I think this would be the year that their control over him, actually, no, not necessarily. They would have had some control left, but not a ton, I don't think. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, again, prime rebuild candidate, someone with experience, a little bit, and it's not going to cost you as much money. And then, like you mentioned with some of the younger prospects, some of them may get forced up, some may not. I think I think generally a lot of the more middle small market teams will be more open to giving their double or triple A guys a shot uh, more likely than not, as opposed to spilling money after already taking a massive hit over the past year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it all fleshes out, but you know, rebuilds are always fun to watch and it's not about the start. It's about the end. And I mean, the guys that fired or a crown at the end of the day. <laughs> and the guys that you Rangers fans got to see Sam, uh, Sam Huff, Sheridan Apostle, Anderson Tejeda, uh, Kyle Cody, um, those types of guys, you're going to see them. I, I, 
I have no doubt you're going to see them in 2020 now or 2021. Uh, but the question is, are you going to see that? When are you going to see them is the question. And I think by about, I mean, assuming we're on regular schedule, maybe things get pushed back. Who knows? Uh, August, September, October, you, you may see those guys. But like you said, you know, you want to ease into it. I know a lot of people are calling for Sam Huff to come back up another non-double A prospect that hasn't gone to double A, triple A, made his debut, but I think they want to give him a little bit more time so that he and Trevino can be a good backup combination. But yeah, I mean, rebuilds, when it works out and you see the championship, I assume that that Royals championship felt even sweeter than watching, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say Yankees fan, as far as the Yankees fan go, than watching a Yankees Well, nothing sweeter than the Cubs in 2016. Nothing sweeter than that. True, true on the history aspect. Yeah, I think I think if you've been titleless, well, I think unless you have literally never had a title, uh, the Cubs is as sweet as it gets. Texas Rangers never had a title. Uh, how close have it's you gotten? Uh, 2011. We're not going to name exactly what happened in 2011 because everybody gets PTSD. Because everybody gets PTSD from that, but. Uh, yeah, let's just say uh, Nelson Cruz's name is still mentioned on a lot, and David Freeze is a name that Ranger fans don't ever. We will see you tomorrow night. I can't get like the throat issue type voice at that night. Uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, channeling his dad. I know. I don't know. The call was nice. It just he had the uh, that was the season he had the throat problem. Yeah, that was a uh, oh god the. <laughs> yeah, 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 he wrote in his book what the cause of that was. Do you, do you know? Oh, I remember reading it, but I don't have it off the top of my head. Hair transplants. Ooh. He had a he had a complication from a hair transplant surgery. And and then people wonder why I don't get this thing cut. That's that's there you go. I don't grow out the curls. I got I for those listening in audio format. I, I have cur- I have naturally curly hair, but I always keep it short because I hate when it gets curly. And you will never see my hair get too crazy. I don't. This I refuse is ten to months, dude. Way. This is ten months. I I've, I I went extreme. I cut my own hair during quarantine. And I got looks, I got that a looks kid. pretty good. What's that? That looks pretty good. Well, fortunately places have reopened and this is no longer my own work but oh, okay okay a couple of times during the quarantine before they reopened because in new york everything was closed for a really long time uh i bought my own kit wasn't very expensive and uh you know i get buzz cuts anyway so i just buzzed my own head yeah. that makes it easier. At a, i think i had my sister help out with some of the back to clean it up but for the most part it was pretty easy hey and it's free too i mean you have to buy the kit but the actual a service of it is free. There you go. Is that is that in the future plan or is that just a quarantine last second decision? Uh, that I mean that was a that was a quarantine lesson. I mean, hey, if it's a desperate situation, uh, I'll probably pull it out again at some point. But I can't imagine a situation where I wouldn't just go to the barber unless you know it's not like entry level broadcasting positions pay a ton. So I might get improvisational to a certain extent. Hey, why not? Why not? I mean, that's probably one of the only reasons of there is that, I mean, as far as you just go as a, as a writer to the park and you're not in front of any cameras or anything. So 
I mean, well, it depends on what team you're working for, but usually in the minor league baseball level, there's no television aspect to it. You can do whatever you want. Uh, I sure, uh, I, I wouldn't say I did whatever I wanted in Burlington, but they really did not care much about uh, the broadcast as long as I wasn't doing anything extremely wrong. Um, oh, yeah. Because Burlington, a couple summers before me, they had an announcer who got fired when uh, he, th- he was in a commercial break. He forgot to turn off his mic, and he said, how the bleep did this guy get drafted? <laughs> um, mic drop. Yeah, he was gone, uh, to say the least. Ooh, he pulled a uh, Tom Brenneman. Um, uh, Not exactly, well, but well, Tom, Brenneman, Tom Brenneman hit a different nerve with his. Yes. Uh, I, I think, I think just, uh, I think, it, I think one F-bomb is significantly worse than the other in those two circumstances. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure it, as far as if you're taking over the guy that just got fired because of a, uh, an inverted mic drop, you're, they're probably just like, just don't cuss on the air. You can, I mean, you can wear, you can almost wear whatever you want as long as it's clothes. Just well, don't make sure that you. <laughs> I mean, I still had to wear a team polo and I mean, I could wear whatever I wanted when it came to shorts, but I wasn't going to wear a polo shirt and, you know, under armor. So it was always khaki shorts because I wanted to look nice and there was no way in hell that I was going to go into a place that hot with pants. No, no. because keep in mind, this is North Carolina. And this is when there was that massive heat wave in North Carolina. That was two weeks. We had two weeks straight of first pitches at least one Oh one. Oh yeah. And I was, my booth was, in like a broom closet on top of the roof with no fan and no AC. There were two outlets in the entire place and I needed both. Uh, Like one was for a charger strip. I needed that charger strip just to fit all of my equipment. And then the beat writer, whenever he came, had to use the other one. So... (laughs) Hey, like, you're speaking to somebody who knows exactly what you're talking about. Uh, going on the field during batting practice at Globe Life Park, the old stadium, during July and August in 102, when the field felt like 105, 106. Yeah, I can see why some of the players would not um, take full batting practice, let's just say. And that's yeah, why some no, days God, they would opt to not so to. Hot. It gets so hot. Like, I, I, that's the one thing I didn't miss about that summer was the heat. Uh, and that's the one thing I enjoy about the Northeast. It almost never gets that hot. But also, like, I, I've gone back and forth, but generally, in my rule of thumb, I would much rather be too cold than too hot, which is why I like being in the Northeast. Um, but, you know, times change. Might or you can do what, like, a lot of retirees do that live uh, in the Northeast. You can live in the Northeast during the summertime and then go down south during the wintertime. I mean, yeah. I mean, my parents are literally about to retire to Florida next year. So they, nice. they already did it once, undid it, and now they're going to do it again. So, um, nice. I mean, here's the thing. From my experience in Florida, though, I'd honestly probably – I'd probably go where I am right now. I'd probably go to North Carolina. I have not been much around this state, but I'm not going to lie. I tend to like it a lot more um, in what little experience I've had. So, you know, again – I'm probably projecting realistically at least 40 years out right now, which is not reasonable when I can't even project four months. Um, 
like for all I know in four months when I, I would be approaching my 22nd birthday around then for all I know at that point, I could be still, uh, uh, doing Syracuse student radio, which I am going to keep doing, uh, the, the people in charge of gracious enough to let me keep doing that, uh, finish my senior year, if you will, until I get a job, I could be on the tail end of that. I could be at a job somewhere and that could be in any, uh, any time code in any uh, region of the country. I, I can assure you this. I've gotten the job offers I have gotten. I, I have gotten some that I've turned down just because, you know, I thought it through and it wasn't a fit. Uh, they include Northwest Minnesota, uh, San Antonio. Um, uh, let's see. What else? What's another one? Uh, I'm not going to say anything about Oregon. San Antonio because I know that a few people I know are, are uh, San Antonio natives. So I'm what's gonna, that? I said I'm going to keep my mouth shut about San Antonio just because I know some people. So I'll. I'll, I'll oh, you don't want to you don't want to ruffle feathers. <laughs> I've got enough feathers that need to be ruffled than a pill inside of a pillow. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Brandon, man, it was such an honor for you to join and uh, enjoy the remainder of Syracuse sports. And I'm sure the Syracuse football team is having a great season because that's how much I know. And I'm totally being sarcastic on that. Syracuse basketball. One question I have, how is Jim Beheim in interviews? Jim Beheim is exactly as unpredictable as you think Jim Beheim is. I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like in this year alone, we've gotten like over the last two years, they've gotten to a different level because like at random points, he'll just spin off into political rants, uh, which is really funny to hear from him. Um, he this year, he's added the wrinkle of sometimes sprinkling F bobs. Uh, there was uh, there was a guy who uh, was a beat reporter for the football team and uh, for one of the local newspapers who moved to a digital outlet this year. And in turn, because of that, he now covers basketball too. And so the first <laughs> press conference post game, Jim Beheim having read some of his football articles where he <laughs> believes he jumps the gun on decisions. The coach should be making decides to take him to town on a very simple question. Um, it's just what he does. And everyone has the Jim Beheim story, uh, which is, uh, which I don't yet. I have yet to ask him a post-game press conference question. So I will def that's definitely on the bucket list. I'll get that done at some point before I leave. I still have plenty more men's basketball games I'll get to cover. I'm here for a women's game, uh, Syracuse versus North Carolina at uh, Carmichael Arena. Uh, but Jim Beheim is, is a true treat. And I think you know what Syracuse football's record is. And you just want to go for a low blow. <laughs> hey, to be fair, uh, North Texas mean green alum. So you can throw all of the, uh, all the uh, sarcasm my way too. Though I'll be watching I mean, as far but as. But it's North Texas. We're in the ACC. <laughs> I know exactly. That's what I say. I'll take the punches. If I, Hey, I have to take the punches if I'm going to dish them out. I mean, look, at least this isn't the Greg Robinson era, so I can't be too mad. But uh, last game of Syracuse basketball, you have to, you have to ask him something. Well, I'll pro hopefully do it before the last game I do, but at some point I will. That's, that's the deadline. I mean, of course. 
you got you got to get at least one. Trust me, trust me. Uh, as far as Woody goes, I don't. I think I've had I've had a few. Uh, Woody's a real nice guy to talk to, so kind of lucked out on there. Um, but I will say that like I've had my fair share of pretty dumb questions. So, well, you know what I'll say. You, you know, you'll find this story fun probably because you know Texas audience. Uh, so at the beginning of this season, Syracuse played the first game against North Carolina and for season opening broadcast, we always have an extended hour long pregame show, which means more stories. And I got assigned to do a piece on Mac Brown and I, I, you know, maybe Texas people don't want to hear it, but, uh, I did the story about how much Mac loves the state of North Carolina and how he always had a tie there and how really it was always his home and Texas never was, um, which, like, in hindsight, you can very much tell is true. Um, it was a career move, and, you know, he talks pretty openly about it now. And so because of the blessing, I wouldn't say blessing of COVID-19, <laughs> the blessing of offerings virtually because of COVID-19, all the press conferences are now virtual. So I emailed UNC. I was able to get into their press conference, and I asked Mac a couple questions. And, like, I was introduced as a member of the Syracuse media, and – uh, he's like, well, Brandon, welcome. And, he, you know, he was such a nice guy. He answered the questions very straightforward. He he didn't dance around it at all. He's like, yeah, no, I interviewed a couple schools. We weren't really interested. This was pr-. like he said this was he said without saying it, that this was the only job he would ever come out of retirement for. Um, realistically, that was probably it. Um, <laughs> um, just based on what he said, he was talking about, you know, his house in the house in the mountains that he had in Linville with Sally and uh, the fact that most of the returning staff when he got there was his former players. So it's, <laughs> it's like stuff like that. That's just really cool. And such a good guy. Very nice. I think that's the thing. A lot of people don't realize how genuine a lot of these guys are uh, until you actually physically got to talk to them. Um, I know I quick question with Bob Stoops during uh, the last XFL game the Dallas Renegades had where they got blown out by New York. Uh, you know, Bob Stoops, at least from my perspective, is a pretty decent guy too. Um, I got to talk to Ron Washington when the Braves were in. So love that. Um, it, it, it's And that's another childhood one where Ron Washington, you know, the staple of the Rangers 2010-2011 runs just to be able to kind of ask it face-to-face sort of virtually is amazing too. Yeah, definitely. Brandon, man, it's so great uh, getting to talk to you. Uh, Enjoy Syracuse basketball, Chapel Hill against the North Carolina Tar Heels. And uh, it's a, it's a quick turnaround, right? Yep. I, uh, I, it's an 8 PM game. I have a flight out at 7 AM the next day. Um, and, uh, in the meantime, I'll, uh, um, I'm about to hop off and go, uh, celebrate, I believe it's now night seven of Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah, happy holidays to all those out there and, uh, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Um, want to thank everybody for listening in. You can also listen on anchor YouTube. I'll have it on YouTube, uh, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, about 90% of those places will have this 
for you for Texas Rangers Fanatic Podcast. For all of the Rangers news, and trust me, there's a lot of it, uh, you can go to DallasSportsFanatic.com dash Texas Rangers, and you can follow me on Twitter at ApLinkTX, Instagram at ApLinkTEX. Brandon, Twitter handle BrandonRoss99, correct? Yep. Any any other uh, plugs you want? Um, I have a website. Uh, if you want to see some of my broadcast work, I, I, I want employment. Or if you're just curious, uh, BrandonJRoss.com is the site for that. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook too. And like, uh, if you want to reach out to me for any reason and say you were, you know, this was fun or you sucked, you know, let me have it. Uh, Brandon, uh, my first name, Jared, like the jewelry store, Ross at gmail.com. Again, that's Brandon, Jared Ross at gmail.com. Hey, we all want to know how we do, whether we suck or there. I, I get that all the time. I'm fine with it. At least tell me that I suck. I've been told that just... I'm not, I, I, I've been told I'm not truly a professional until I get hate mail and I haven't gotten it yet. So nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, that just means you're doing something right when you get hate mail. That just means that you're yeah, doing exactly. something right. <laughs> and you're I mean, my the sports saying is the sports saying is if both fan bases are yelling at you, then you're doing it right. There you go. I, I love seeing some of the comments that some of the commentators uh, get on Twitter. I mean, I know it's not great comments, but it's kind of just uh, it's kind of just hilarious to see what people will write on there. You are my NCAA go-to now for Syracuse, by the way. So. Next year, filling out a bracket, I'm, I'm, you're my go-to for advice. Um, if they make it into the tournament, I will be glad to help. <laughs> <laughs> they they have degraded if, into a consistent bubble team. So, <laughs> Hey, there you go. Syracuse is the one team that I either pick them to go far and they don't, or I don't pick them to go far. They get knocked down the first round. Oh, and oh they... no. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. I mean it when I say this. Every year, they're not supposed to do anything. They have a run. Every year, they're supposed to have a run. They do nothing. It's it's amazing in my head. Like, arguably, their, their worst regular season that they made the tournament while eligible uh, in the last decade was their Final Four run. Th- that regular season was objectively terrible, and then they made it to the Final Four. Um, <laughs> then, uh, you know, the next couple of years, you know, one of the years they were good, and then, you know, they dug it up. My, my freshman year, they made it to the Sweet 16 and almost beat Duke. They beat Michigan State with <laughs> they beat Michigan State with six scholarship players and a walk-on. They beat Michigan <laughs> State with six scholarship players and a walk-on. Think about that. <laughs> it might have been five, actually. I don't remember quite right. It could be either or, but that's still nuts. I'm just wanting March Madness to come, so... Retweet. Of what Retweet. We didn't get Retweet. it last year and I'm anxious to get it back. I need, I need it. We should have two parts of there. Have one in December and then have one in March. December madness. All right. <laughs> Brandon, appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. All right. Have a good one.